Dog Talk Zone presents Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. Two guys at a mic show. Thank you very much, Mr. Announcer Man. It is the big dog and the coach with you right up until 11 o'clock. Talking uh, plenty of college basketball, no question about it. We'll get to some NBA talk as well as the Bulls took on the New York Knicks that I had my first up close and personal. No, I wasn't at the game. But my first actual visualization besides highlights of Linsanity. Jeremy Lynn, I'll make some comments on that one here from you guys as well. We'll jump off the sports page. Plenty to talk about. Here are the two guys at a mic show. Dog and the coach, producer extraordinaire, David Olson on the other side of the glass. And don't forget, do not forget tomorrow, the big dog and the coach will be hosting at the Playbook in Niles, our March Madness Spectaculars. We kick off the big bracket show. Of course, Thursday is the full slate of game, but uh, tonight... We actually have some of the play-in games, so uh, the fun and games begin tonight. We'll talk about all that and more. Play a little bit of uh, lead-in music here from David Olson, producer extraordinaire. And then we will get this soon-to-be semi-award-winning show off and running. It's big dog still filling out my brackets. I have not even done the South or the West. I'm not finished yet. Near finished with the East and the Midwest. And just about five minutes ago, I had my first number one seed being eliminated in the round of 32. It'll be Kansas State. Frank Martin and company knocking off Fab Mello. Chris Joseph and the Syracuse Orangemen. Down! Go Syracuse. How are you, my friend? Have you filled out your brackets? I haven't even looked at one yet. Still? I figure I'll do one on Wednesday at about 11.45 after about, uh, I've drank at least eight Miller High Life. Cocktails. And four Daniels. Cocktails. Yep. Okay. 11.45 on a Wednesday night. And, of course, that's our live appearance at the playbook. Very, very good. Uh-huh. And uh, so you're not going to even, are you going to look at a bracket before then, or are you just going to? There's not one Illinois team in it, especially the one Illinois team that I care about, which is Illinois. So, no, I, 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 I have no – this is the least amount I could care less about this NCAA tournament oh, at this man, point. Oh, man, you're crazy. So you, can, you can call me crazy or whatever, Coach. I've been watching college basketball all year. So I am confused about why there's playing games for four seeds or, or 13 seeds or whatever the heck that, that are. There's no Illinois teams in it. Northwestern didn't make it. It, it, To be quite honest with you, Washington won the Pac-12 in the regular season, and they don't make the tournament. Pac-12 was pretty weak this year. Pac-12 was pretty weak, and you're you know you're trying to you're trying to pin little little uh, you know little holes, little painful moments on an otherwise great sculpture, Big Dog. It's like you're looking at a beautiful painting and picking out one little drop in the corner. I mean, I agree with you. Maybe Washington should have made it. By the way, if you're going to tell me who makes it, you got to tell me who shouldn't make it. But the bottom line is, all right, get over the fact your Illinois teams aren't in there. I'm disappointed, too. But you've got a great 
tournament. Let us not forget just the word tournament. As a sports fan, as in a coach, I've always loved competing in tournaments. And Big Dog, as you well know, this is the ultimate tournament in sports. you got to get your rear end out of your basketball behind and get jacked up for this puppy. Uh, no, no, here, here's another thing. Now, you, you, you don't have to tell me what I like or I don't like. I and like I've to always that. been a huge fan of the, of the tournament. This whole thing, now that it's 68, and the fact that the teams aren't playing to be the 16 playing game to be won, it's like completely baffled me. And it's like, I don't feel it as like, I, I'm an, I'm a freaking perfectionist coach. I can't even explain it. You can't, I really am. And it bothers me that it's not like a symmetrical, uh, tournament anymore. Mm-hmm. I have a, that might, I know it's really dumb and everybody else out there is probably like, that's really stupid. I don't look at the, I look at it now and I'm confused about it. Cause I like to memorize everything so I can say, oh, the number one seeds each year, blah, blah, blah. I look at it now, and I'm just like, what's going on with this bracket? It doesn't make any sense. Calling the first round the the second round now. Yeah. Seriously, they're trying to get too cute. They're, they are really messing with the, with this tournament. And please, no more having the two teams at 14, one team at 15, one team at 16, one team at 12 playing a playing game. It makes no sense to me. Yeah, I'll disagree with most of what you said, but I will agree with the whole first round, second round thing. And in fact, Thursday and Friday's games, which are the first round, they're calling that the second round. Extremely confusing. Call those beginning games the play-in games and then call Thursday and Friday round one. I'm with you right there. The rest of it, though, I can't go with you. Well, partly because, you know, I, I agree with you. Symmetry is nice. Nothing more beautiful than the 64 down to 32 to 16 to 8 to 4 to 2. It does keep life simple. It gets us in a comfort zone. We are all routine-oriented species or so, says Maslow and his uh, hierarchy of needs. I think that's what it was called. But, on the other hand, on the other hand, to replace symmetry, Big Dog, we are getting teams like the University of California, like an Iona, like a BYU, like Pat Knight's Lamar team, like the dreaded catamount of Vermont. You get to see those teams have an opportunity. So what we lose in symmetry, we gain in the beauty of eight other teams being able to compete. Okay, well, we'll make those four extra teams that have the beauty of competing now. Uh, <laughs> uh, give that, make them 16 seats, please. Okay? Don't make a playing game for a 12 seat. It just shows you what's... The NCAA has so many different... Why does it come to when it comes to Division One basketball, Division One football? They try to mess everything up as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Those are their two money making. Uh, uh, well, whatever. I, I, yeah, I don't all right. So you're. Some people might be confused what you're just saying. I, I do agree with you. Here we talked about this yesterday. I don't remember it happening before. Probably did. But the play-in games, the winners are not automatically your 16 seed. In fact, one game, California and South Florida. It's kind of odd. They're the play-in game. Both pretty good teams, but the winner. Takes the 12 spot. That's what you were talking about, right? Yeah, yeah. Why does uh, why does the team have they have why do they have to win seven games and teams that are seated lower than them only have to win six games in the same bracket? It doesn't mm-hmm. make sense. I hear you. That's what I'm, that's uh, that stuff like that bothers me about the NCA and their reasoning for it is like, oh, so what? That's a, like if they can give me a legitimate reason, this is why we do it. Okay, but when they ask about it, they're like, don't question us. That's basically how they like respond. But I will tell you this, that BYU-Iona game, ooh, as much as I'm just complaining about the NCAA throwing out stupid stuff and then not having a response for it, Coach, mm-hmm. that's what really gets me the most. I will tell you this, the BYU-Iona game, 
that game is going to be one heck of a basketball game because BYU can score too. I would average like 89 points a game this year. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, they got what, like a four guard, one postman offense, and they uh, jack up three pointers on a regular basis. That would be the Iona uh-huh. team. Yeah, so, and if you were going to ask me who doesn't belong in the tournament and who does belong, well, if Washington's going to be out of that, I would say Iona would then be out. Or what about California? They didn't even win the, the, the pack. The Pac-12. Washington mm-hmm. did. I'll knock California out. Let them win their conference. All right. A lot of people picking California to win a couple of games and be somewhat of a uh, surprise team in the tournament. By the way, as long as we're talking about playing teams, how about Western Kentucky, the Red Blob, who knocked off the mean green of uh, North Dallas 40, if you will, North Texas, and they are 15-18. and 15-18 and 18 on the season, Big Dog. They win the Sun Belt Tournament. They are in, and I believe, I think I've got the team right there, the team that fired their head coach right after the New Year's. Happy New Year's, coach. You're fired. And then the assistant coach took over and uh, obviously did a great job. They won four straight in the Sun Belt. Western Kentucky at 15-18, and 18, playing tonight at 5.30 on True TV. I know you'll be watching. Yeah, and you were up there. Why did they fire him on New Year's Day? Couldn't they wait until the second? Why they have to do it on New Year's Day? I remember, oh, I remember that day. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Stop. Though, you, you don't realize that the guy was getting paid the same contract whether they fired him on, on the first or the second, like mm-hmm. guy with Bruce Weber. He's still getting paid the same amount of money he was at Illinois before they fired him. There are, there are other people to feel sorry for than uh, fired coaches, no question about it, or making good salaries. Now, True TV... All of a sudden becomes front and center for the fans. Your opening games yeah. tonight on True TV, David Olson or uh, Big Dog. You're somewhat of a consumer of television. What are some of the uh, top shows out of True TV for those that might want to maybe tune in early? Are there any? Uh... There, there's going to be plenty for you, Coach. There's Besides the basketball, be... I'm talking about what is True TV known for? Uh, there's any courtroom television. They have a lot, and if there's a ah. big court, if there's a if there's a court case going on, they'll be in there. They've also got a bunch of investigative crime shows, ah. and they they actually have a new show that I don't know if it's going to last too much longer. But they had one where they have criminals on there, and it's called I can't believe I got away with it. And they talk about like the murder <laughs> they committed, and that when the show's done, they arrest the guy. They're like the idiot. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't get away with it. Oh, well, boy. Yes, David. Their big one is Hardcore uh, Pawn. Okay. They, I've heard about that show. Yeah, I didn't yeah. know it was on True TV. But yeah, well, no, it. it's, it, it's not the one you're thinking of. It's, it's a ripoff oh. of that show. Okay. It's called Hardcore uh, Pawn. Uh, then they've got two two shows about repo men. About Oh, RuPaul? Yeah. Repo yeah. men. Oh, repo I thought men. Guys two shows about RuPaul. I'm like, man, I missed it. But probably the best one that they have is called Las Vegas Jailhouse. And it's just people getting arrested. It, it's like, it's basically cops Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. People getting arrested in Vegas. And as you can imagine, people get arrested a lot in Las Vegas. So basically preying on the voyeur, the voyeur in all of us. As we basically just sit and watch a held, handheld camera catch the highlights of people getting arrested. Exactly Which right. Which in Las Vegas, I would imagine, Big Dog, if you edit it down to 30 minutes, you probably get some pretty good stuff. I, I mean, I don't watch that much True TV, but sounds like that's what that's a one. Yeah. I'm, I'm almost disappointed. Western Kentucky's going to be playing tonight in the playing turn. I'd rather watch, uh, you know, courtrooms going wild. By the way, speaking of which, as an offshoot, did you read in the paper, dog, or hear that a Chicago area judge had to be restrained? Went completely wacko. They had to call other judge or other security from the courtroom. 
to calm down the judge, to take care of the ju- female judge. Completely lost it. Apparently, she's had some instances before. So maybe True TV will be featuring judges gone wild. But did you hear about that story? Was it Judge Coco? Judge who? Coco. Who's I'm Judge? I'm being totally serious too. I'm being totally serious. You, you, as you know, uh, I had a a significant other for many years who was an assistant state's attorney, a yes. prosecutor for Cook County. Uh-huh. And there was a judge, Judge Coco, a female judge, who she talked about was like would scream and yell at people in her courtroom. I'm, I'm, and I can say this because that's, that's it happened. People elect this woman all the time as a mm-hmm. judge in Cook County. And, it, like, my ex, who was an extremely honest prosecutor, you know, she would come back and she'd be, like, fully distraught over this freaking judge screaming at me <laughs> in, in court. Seriously, like, it was. I wonder what was the name of this woman. You know, I, I need to, to get, I saw her, picture and she looked a little bit like a young mom's Mabley. That's the best I way I can put mom, it. Huh? I don't know who mom's Mabley. Who's mom's Mabley? <laughs> yeah, sorry about the old female comedian who has since passed away, but I'll, I'll see if I can dig that up. I forget her name, but Chicago, I think at uh, the Cook County courtroom. Yeah, not the, not the client, not the prosecutor, not the defendant, the judge. Had to be restrained. It's a beautiful thing, and uh, we will check it out. I don't know, David. See if you can get that up on the internet. Judge Coco was the one you're familiar with, huh? Yes, yeah. That was the one that uh, the, that the ex was not happy with, and it wasn't just one time. It would be a little like this judge went off against, started screaming at people in the courtroom, like mm-hmm. throwing stuff. All right. Any chance? Uh, and I do want to get to the callers real quick. Eight 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 four six three six seven four eight. The phone number again. Triple eight four six three six seven four eight. You want to talk some March Madness? I also want to get to the Bulls. Next, my first up close and personal visitation with Lynn Sanity was. Well, I want to say last night, but actually I watched the game on tape this morning. But so I want to talk about that. But uh, real quick, Big Dog, you were taping a show, a reality TV series that sounds like it might be a candidate for True TV. Any chance you, once Western Kentucky is knocked off of the tournament, might be appearing on True TV? Yeah, you know what? We I need to talk to Idris to uh, get him to actually show this to True TV because he's been too wound up in Fox and WP going back and forth to two guys mm-hmm. that are that are, that are only interested when the other television show actually shows interest or the other channel show shows interest. So if you really want to get somebody interested, we need a third. We need a third player in this. Is what we need. Interesting. And Idris is your personal assistant who does uh, favors of a variety of functions, is that correct? So he's the producer of the show. Ah, there you I go. Was Idris. I'm a personal assistant. So, right. yep. Outstanding. Big Dog, I'm going to let you make the call. We're going to go out to the phone lines here. We have uh, line one, three, five, seven, and 9. For some weird reason, all the odd numbers are let today. You make the call, Big Dog. Uh, I'm going to have to go with line number three, Coach. With three? Just answer the phone for the person. Don't make it. <laughs> Out to line three we go. No sense of humor at all. The big dog, an agitated big dog the last couple of days. Caller Pete checking in on line three. Pete, welcome to the semi-dysfunctional show known as Two Guys in a Mic. How are you? Hey, this is Pete from True TV. Uh, I just want to make an announcement. Uh, we're going to be postponing our world's dumbest criminals. The McMurray College edition. Uh, we're going to postpone that until after the... Uh, so after the tournament. Oh, so the world's dumbest criminals, McMurray College edition. I, I got to tell you, yeah. there's yeah. dumb criminals in the world, Coach. They would have gone to McMurray College. Now, is this going to be uh, caller 
Pete, is this going to be like a bracketed type thing, like like uh, you know, like the X Factor, one of the music shows where the winners advance and they eliminate a couple people each show? How's how is it going to work to find? No, the... no, it's uh, our world's dumbest show is is uh, just the just the entourage of of many dumb criminals. Ah, you know, we have the Girls Gone Wild edition, uh, Busted in the Birds, mm-hmm. uh, Girls Naked edition, and we just came up with the McMurray College edition. <laughs> So the McMurray College, it isn't going to be like a bracket. It won't be like the number one guy who like took all the beds from the dorm room and threw them off the roof and then had everybody jump off the roof of the dorm. First, no, it's the probably going to the coach. What's that? It's probably going to conclude with the with the incident of the listening post getting stolen. Oh, okay. <laughs> Big dog, Western Kentucky and Mississippi Valley State, or. Or the world's dumbest criminal shows via McMurray College. You make the call. Uh, for me, I got to be quite honest with you. I'm actually pretty interested to see what those kids are up to nowadays because we set the standard pretty high, Coach. Yes, extremely high. The standard I, being I have, for 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 dumbosity. I, I would have to say that the, the most criminal thing that we that we got away with that we could talk about on air was the day that we stole our coaches. Uh, like cart that he drove around campus with, put it on the home plate of our baseball stadium mm-hmm. the night before our conference tournament, and we removed everything in the in the cart so the guy could, <laughs> he had it carried away. We uh-huh. locked up the wheels, and it was funny. It was a real fat dude was actually the one who stole the cart, and when he was driving the cart, he almost fell out of it when he took a right hand turn. <laughs> one of the funniest things I had ever seen. I'm sorry, Pete from True TV. I don't know. Pete Pete might have got eliminated. I don't know if one of the detectives, maybe uh, one of the investigators for True TV might have got to Pete's phone line, but uh, somehow we got <laughs> cut off. If you want to uh, jump on, Pete drops off and leaves eight other lines wide open at 888 There's your ready-made daily quandary for the day, Big Dog. Look back at your college days and some of or maybe one of the dumbest things you and or a friend and or a classmate did back in your college days. I think we all have uh, sweet memories of at least a few dumb things. Oh, uh, that, that, there's a long list. That, that, we had an underground railroad at McMurray College that uh, well, the, McMurray College was trying to help getting slaves out of the South. It, it, it's been around since the uh, 1830s. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was a real easy way to break in the rest of the campus, Coach. The Underground Railroad. Yes, that was a really easy way to get from one dorm building to another <laughs> dorm building, and it and it was a real easy way to get into the to the dining hall. Uh-huh. And I got to tell you, if you ever needed a twenty pound can of corn, well, we knew how to get it. Coach was the best way I could tell you. <laughs> so at McMurray College, instead of doing what I think uh, in today they call the walk of shame on like uh-huh. a Sunday morning, you could actually take underground passageway, and people would never know you. Uh, you know what? That that's a really good idea, Coach. And I wish I would have thought of that whenever I was on the northern part of campus. But yes, I was in the newer southern part. Like the new <laughs> dorms were connected to the Underground Railroad. Uh-huh. But it's it's funny you said that because I did have a kind of like this girl I liked in Rutledge dorm. I, I wish I would have thought of that earlier, Coach. <laughs> I, I did it. I did it more uh, so I can feed myself. Yeah. As well. opposed to, we're only about twenty years late for your uh, college days. Sorry about that, but better late than never. We thank you. Pete, again, for uh, giving us a call. And, Big Dog, you, uh, back in the day at McMurray College, were not only the senior class president, member of the football team, but also, and I remember your high school days academically not so good, but in college, grade-wise, you did pretty well, right? Academics, you uh, 
started the show. <laughs> Uh, yeah, since we're, since it's uh, NCAA basketball, we're, and, and I know all these kids are more concerned about their grades than actually winning these games in the tournament. Mm-hmm. Coach, they talk about our academics. The best way for me to describe it is that a 1.18 at Downers Grove North, my grade point average, and I, I failed maybe one or two classes. But I got like straight D's. And at McMurray College, I had a 3.54. And if you times three times 1.18, you get 3.54 exactly. Wow. So that's I tripled a, my grade point average. That's improvement. And a, a school that is like a, is actually a pretty tough school. That is, a, you know, that's, it's not exactly like going to college you do pay. That is there. outstanding improvement. Any high school kids out there want to shine like that too? The key first, before you can make the kind of improvement that the big dog did, three times your grade point average, you of course have to preface it by having an incredibly weak academic career in high school. That's part of the. If you're going to show that much improvement in college, Big Dog, it almost goes without saying that you have to really blow off high school, huh? Yeah, but it, it's very difficult <laughs> to get into McMurray College if you don't, if you can't block or tackle, because they were like, you know, we really okay. can't let you in with grades like this. All right. So I, I had to go through all like the oh the study halls and stuff as a freshman. Mm-hmm. My first oh that was brutal, Coach. I I definitely do not suggest that to anyone. Is the is the best way for me to tell you? So fascinated with the concept of a what was your one point one eight? You said at Downers Grove. At Downers Grove North High. Is that out of a out of a two point system or out of the normal four point system? (laughs) It was out of a four point system. (laughs) I I got like straight D's, straight D's. uh, It it was it was pretty. I had a difficult time in high school. Best way for me to put it. Uh I was talking about that yesterday to somebody that I went to high school with. Wow. Uh, Everybody can rip on me. I had two jobs. And was playing football and baseball. You name it, I was on the sport and had two jobs pretty much at all times. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have a car. Okay, so whatever. I didn't do anything that I couldn't finish in study hall, I refused to do. Like, teachers would be like, blah, 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 do your homework. I'm like, I did this last night. Oh, I'm sorry, Susie got her homework done. Daddy came and picked her up from school at 345, drove her home, and sat across from her for three hours and helped her. I had to take a bus, get home walk to work for five hours, walk back from work, get home at midnight, and then try to fall asleep in time to wake up so I can go to uh, practice and do all the work. So I'm sorry I didn't have any time to do my homework last night. And I, I seriously would talk this way to my teachers, and they would be like, uh, I think you have a point. And you, and you walked both ways uphill, going to school. I did that, too. Did that, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, like, when people rip on me at one point and one eight, all of a sudden in college, all mm-hmm. I have to worry about is football and schoolwork. Oh, wow. I got straight A's. What a surprise. Well, you have defeated the theory. Studies show that kids that uh, do compete in extracurricular activities, I'm talking about the legitimate kind of extracurricular activities, big dog, a theater, a music, or in your case, sports studies will show that those kids in high school actually get better grades because they got less time to get in trouble. They're more regimented, more focused, et cetera, et cetera. But there are exceptions to every rule, and apparently your high school career was one Giant you know, exception. <laughs> so look, if, if it wasn't for if it wasn't for football, I w- wouldn't have even gone to class. Yes. So no, I couldn't agree more with that statement. Mm-hmm. If it was football, I would have made. I would have cared less about my grades. I made sure at least I passed there because that was the rule. You had to just make sure you passed all of your classes. All right. Well, we do thank Caller Pete for that uh, brief uh, ride down memory lane at McMurray College and. Uh, off shooting into your high school days. Thank you very much. Always appreciate that. Again, phone lines are open. Pete drops off, leaves eight other lines wide open. We'll get you right on if you want to give us a call. March Madness, Bulls and Knicks.
Big Dog's academic career. Maybe you uh, had a brief run-in with a Big Dog in a courtroom somewhere in the Chicago area or possibly his high school, college days. You want to call him out, feel free to do so. 888-463-6748-888-463-6748. Dog, you haven't filled out your brackets. You haven't overanalyzed. Let me ask you this. Is there a favored team that you think has a chink in the armor, might go early, and is there any teams that aren't one or two seeds that you at least have a good feeling at this point, a good inkling that maybe they could be a surprise? I I, I really don't have a feel for any of that, Coach. Uh, you got to figure none of these teams are going to be perfect. Like, like Kentucky's got a pretty hard road to the Final Four, if you consider you know that they're the number one overall seed. And there's a bunch of freshmen. I mean, what? Five of the six guys who play for Kentucky are freshmen. So there you go. They're young. And like I just said, six players play. So Kentucky has changed about the simple fact that they're not deep and they're not experienced. So even though like they're the greatest thing since sliced bread in the tournament, we have found out that depth and experience ends up playing a huge role. So mm-hmm. I don't think Kentucky is like the, the cakewalk that you, you, you might think it is. And, and then there is like Syracuse who, has trouble scoring at times. You know what I mean? They have a legitimate hard time scoring the basketball. So of the number one, and we all, everybody, and I think in the country knows that North Carolina State has deficiencies and they've got a bunch of injuries right now. And Michigan State, and as, as much as I, I'll be more than happy to say that the Big Ten is the best, uh, the best uh, conference in America this year. I don't know if. Michigan State or Ohio State or Michigan, the conference champions, they have what it takes to go really, really deep in the in the tournament. As a matter of fact, I think Michigan might lose to Ohio in their first game. So, uh, uh, of the top teams, coach, I think more than any other year this year, the number one teams are, are more apt to be knocked off than typical. So, just throwing that one out there, and then for a, a team about to make a, a run deep in the tournament. Well, if UConn can win their first two games, the second one would be against Kentucky. All of a sudden, what they they're the number one seed. They have the what the easiest way to the to the Sweet Sixteen at that point. Uh, so yeah, look for somebody that played really, really good basketball late in the year. Um, and uh, I'm gonna have to go with a VCU also. I I, I have them as what they're a, a six seed coach. What is VCU? VCU is a 12 seed, and they're going up. Greg Marshall, uh, a candidate by the way for the University of Illinois job, and a very good Wichita State team out of the MZC. Well, that's a tough first round matchup for yep. uh, Wichita State. That's ridiculous. Wichita State had a really good season this year, regular season champs in the MVC. They they lose early in the tournament. And they only get a fifth seed. Yeah, and, and they, they got to go up against a VCU team who you know. I mean, they lost a couple of players from last year. They don't shoot. I don't think they have the perimeter threats that they have last year, but they still have that magic, that feel. They're very athletic. Uh-huh. They press a lot. I got the VCU knocking off Wichita State, Big Dog. So what I, I would have uh, VCU beat them. That's mm-hmm. a tough. That's a tough. Uh, that's a Wichita State got an awful tough five twelve uh, matchup. Not good for them. Yeah, Wichita State's got a great guard, too, name escaping me, too, but he he was that, that potentially the MVC player of the year, very, very good player. And I remind our fans out there that uh, this is something that people forget, Big Dog, and then after two or three rounds when we see the teams in it, we remind ourselves, oh, yeah, this is a key factor, and I think you'll agree with me. We talked about it before, and that is come tournament time, you know, basketball's a big boy game, no question about it. you got to have rebounders inside, but good Guard play wins big 
pressure-packed games. Look for teams with good guards. They typically advance in the tournament. No, no, you're exactly right. And, and the reason why is, and, and this is the truth, and I, and I think there's the connection here. We'll see if you agree if there's a connection here. But uh, first and foremost, this it's more of a coach's game. Basketball is really about the coaches. And if you have guards that can control the tempo exactly the way a coach wants it and also can deliver the ball in certain situations to people the way he wants it, if you have a good guard play, a guard could be the extension of the coach, and in the NCAA tournament, games come down to one or two possessions late. And if you can figure out how to have three possessions, the other team's two or zero, you know, like stuff like that, it's absolutely huge, Coach. And that's one of those cliches that is completely and utterly true. And and I really think it's true now that it seems like like coaches, it's really about the coaches nowadays in college basketball. So. Uh, why do you think guard play is so important, Coach? Because of the, the, the matchup tempo? What do you think? Well, yeah, they they. I guess the simplest way to put it is what percent of the time is the ball in the hands of the guards? Well, you know, legitimately, they, two-thirds of the time. Yeah, so they, they control the play. They control the ball. I think when games come under pressure, it's good guard play down the stretch that's going to win close games. And, again, I'm not saying bigs aren't important. Obviously, they are. But I think that the higher pressure the game, the more important the guards are. And as you were talking, Big Dog, one of the games I couldn't decide, Notre Dame, Xavier, Xavier, Notre Dame, back and forth, a lot of people in that quandary. As you were talking, I put down Xavier because of their guard play. Two Holloway and Mark Lyons. Even though they've struggled this year, Xavier, got some issues going on. Those two guards, I think, will bring them home against the uh, Notre Dame fighting Irish. And it, it, yeah, it's Notre Dame getting a seventh seed. They really, I understand that you have to consider teams and how they finish the season. But I really think they took way too much credence in like conference tournaments as above regular season. Mm-hmm. Just because, I mean, I know it's, the Pac-12 isn't as good as normal. I'm bringing up Washington again. But like to give Notre Dame a number seven seed when... So that I also look at that. Hey, what teams are a little bit too high when you consider what what like first round upset you're going to make? And I know a a ten beating a seven isn't a huge upset whatsoever, but I like that pick, Coach. Xavier's are definitely a top forty team. They they deserve to be yeah. in there. I don't know about Notre Dame, but have struggled during the year. Remember they had the big fight. It was Cincinnati and Xavier in that fight. There were suspensions, bad pub for both teams. Well, Xavier. Seem to, Big Don. See if you agree with me here. They seem to suffer a little bit more of post-fight uh, doldrum syndrome, if you will. Cincinnati, on the other hand, once they got their players back, Yancey Gates and company, Cincinnati really turned it on the fight. Seemed to, I don't know, pull, pull the Cincinnati team together through adversity. Maybe they came together. You know, it's funny you say that, Coach, because it was totally Cincinnati's fault in the fight that one dude acted like a thug, punched some dude for no reason. But if you remember the the how the both teams responded after the fight, Xavier responded. They were like, "We're the like, fuck life. We're going to respond and like, we're you hit us, we're going to hit you." And all that. they acted like a bunch of idiots after the fight. Even though it truly was Cincinnati, they were more of the problem on the court. But when the fight was done with Cincinnati, the Cincinnati players were like, "We're embarrassed. I can't believe I acted that way." Immediately, and the coach was also like. Uh, I made them take their jerseys off. You, they don't get to be Cincinnati Bearcat if they act that way. They better get their act right or they'll never play basketball again. It's so funny, Coach, that what team got their act together. And you're right. You're exactly right. That's 
that was the turning point in the season. Since and Cincinnati knew they had messed up, and Xavier was still acting like a bunch of thugs when it was all done. That's a great point, coach. All right, and since Cincinnati went out and uh, let's see, they took second place right in the Big East tournament, knocked off Syracuse, but then Louisville beat them. So you got uh, both Cincinnati and Louisville on a little bit of a roll if you're looking for red hot Big East teams. Big dog and a coach talking some bracket busters here. Eight 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 little college hoops. Eight 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 four six three sixty seven forty eight. I am down to my final eight teams. Just about big dog. Let me run this by you here. I've got uh, Wisconsin in the East knocking off Kansas State in the round of 16. They're going to go to the quarterfinal game. I've got uh, Texas. Nobody mentioning Texas, probably for a good reason. But you got to find those hunch teams. The Texas Longhorn knocking off Florida State, knocking off Cincinnati. They get all the way to the round of 16. They meet the Buckeyes, and they go down to Ohio State. And then I've got Kansas getting knocked off. I've got Michigan playing North Carolina State. So Michigan is going to beat North Carolina in the round of 16. One of your surprise teams. Good guard play gets it done. Trey Burke, Tim Hardaway, Zach Novak, three great guards. Oh, we got a fourth one, too. Don't forget Stu Douglas. Four guards that have been there, done that. The Wolverines will be one of your surprise teams. They're going to knock off Carolina, make it to the final eight. Your thoughts and be nice. No, no, that's, uh, I, I'm not going to sit here and rip any of your upsets or whatever. Well, I like to rip people after they, they mess up, not before when it comes to picking tournament games. Cause trust me, I got probably more upsets on my board than you're going to have, coach. Uh, I think of the, of the number one seats, North Carolina is the most likely to get knocked off, especially, you know, you, you brought up Trey Burke and, uh, Michigan's got good golf. You know, Michigan's pretty deep, coach. They, I mean, they don't have a, like a great fence, but they got a bunch of guys to run out at you. North Carolina has injuries all over the place, so like they're a very susceptible number one seed. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, John, so John not... Henson's there, the big guy. Whether he can play or not, they need him. He's a NBA player, shot blocker, inside presence. The one weakness with Michigan is outside of uh, what's his name, Raymond Morgan. They really don't have. He gets in foul trouble. They don't have big inside off the bench. That's their one weakness. And, and, and North Carolina does two things really well. One, they run in transition. Yes. And they, they beat you to the other end of the court. And the other one is if they don't beat you to the other end of the court, they really try to make sure they get a big guy a touch, like a Zeller a touch, before mm-hmm. they chuck up a three. They they play extremely good offense in North Carolina. Well, and, and just to add, add to what you said, when they run the floor, their bigs can run. I mean, Tyler Zeller? Seven feet tall, six eleven, whatever you want to call. He gets down the floor. They'll run a fast break, and if you don't sprint back, it's not a guard jacking up a three or taking the ball to the bucket. They'll feed to the uh, post guy sliding down. The bigs can run the floor for Carolina. So you're absolutely right. Their transition game dangerous. Yeah, they're they're a really really good offensive team. So we can see if uh, you know they didn't have a block shot in their last two ACC tournament games after the Henson kid was out. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, we'll see what whatever that. I need know. your help with one game. I'm stuck on here. I got Kentucky knocking off VCU in the round of uh, 16. So Kentucky goes to the quarterfinals. I've got uh, Michigan State taking on Louisville, and I picked Louisville to knock off Michigan State. I've got Florida, Florida knocking off Missouri on the bottom end of that bracket. So I got Florida, Louisville. Now, the team to play Kentucky, I'm stuck, Big Dog. First of all, Xavier. I'm on the Xavier Xavier bandwagon here. They're going to uh, knock off Duke. 
in the round of 30, round of 16. So now I'm stuck between Baylor and Xavier. Winner gets Kentucky. I need some help here. What do you think? First of all, it'd be a great game at the two teams play. Yeah, that's one of those teams. Is like, isn't Baylor like that? Isn't he like like the bully? Baylor's like the guy with all the talent, and he just knows he's going to trip up somehow. Yeah, they're, they're, they, they, they're Baylor, could, Baylor could lose badly in the first round, or they got enough talent where they can go to the Final Four and make some noise. Baylor was is, is Baylor basketball this year was uh, was Texas A and M football. Like yeah. they're losing games, you're like, how are they even losing to this team? So that that's how. That's why see Baylor. I, I just I have, I'll have a very difficult time picking them or picking against them just because how good they are and how easily they'll lose. But I'm going to go this. If you're asking me the question, I, I'm not talking the Ohio Valley Conference. I'm actually literally talking about the Ohio Valley region of America this year. Xavier, mm-hmm. Cincinnati, Kentucky, Murray State, Louisville. All those schools are within 50 miles of each other. Good so, call. Mm-hmm. Great call. All right, so am I okay I putting am I putting Xavier put, down? Uh, I've got this one. That's what I would. I'm, I'm thinking. I'm thinking regions right now. The Ohio Valley this year, for some reason, is having like this most amazing year of college basketball. All right, I got it. I got Xavier taking on Kentucky. I'm going to make my picks there later, but I got my uh, final eight teams down. Thank you for the assistance, Big Dog. The Xavier Musketeers of the Baylor Bear. And, uh, of course, I'm sure most of the predictions will be wrong, as most oh, yeah. people will be. But, you know, it's still fun. Oh, I was to... gripping on you. But, yeah, the, most of those will, will be wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, coach, so no Illinois, no Oklahoma, no Arizona, none, nobody from these states. There were 19 states that did not have a, a team in the tournament. Illinois, Arizona, and Oklahoma. Somebody tells you at the beginning of the year that no schools from those states would make it. You're like, get out of here. No Oral from Oklahoma, no Oklahoma State, no Oklahoma. When Oral Roberts doesn't make it from Oklahoma, you know there's issues. Uh, uh, Louisiana and Georgia didn't have any teams. It's, it was a strange year. I mean, this is Oregon. No teams from Oregon made it. It's just like, wow. 17 so, Division One teams in the fine state of Illinois. If you travel from Collinsville all the way up to McHenry College at the northern end of Illinois, right next to the Wisconsin border, 17 Division One teams, big dog, zilch, Zato. In the NCAA tournament, do we are, know? Are there really seventeen teams? Are you just? Yeah. Oh, the McHenry College isn't one of them. No. Okay. No, but there are seventeen. At least that's what I've read. Seventeen Division One schools in Illinois. None have made. I don't know how many times that's happened in the past, but I don't think too many. Uh, I it, it it happened like four or five years ago. I do remember mm-hmm. it was like the year that Illinois went like sixteen and nineteen, mm-hmm. and I was screaming that Weber should be fired. Yep. Uh, that nobody listened. Okay, and uh, it, they were 16 to 19, and that was like the same year that like Bradley almost made the tournament, and we didn't have anybody. So mm-hmm. it just it shouldn't be happening. It, it definitely would never have, never have happened in the 1980s or 1990s. Okay. So, so. All right, one hour show. We got to uh, move on from the bracket busters onto some other topics. Uh, such are the limits of a one hour show. But tomorrow, big dog. Tomorrow they let the dogs out of their cage. The big dog in particular. Not one hour. It'll be. Five hours from 7 until 12 o'clock at the Playbook Sports Bar in Niles. We'll be doing our March Madness uh, appearance there. We'll be hosting a show at the Playbook. Very, very exciting. I'll be glad to do it with you, dog. And uh, not one hour, my friend, but five hours. I know you're looking forward to that. Again, it's the Playbook in Niles. Any uh, little previews of what 
might be ahead for the fans that show up, Doug? Uh, well, uh, Coach, I will be wearing the assless chaps. <laughs> Beautiful. Yeah, so uh, that's sure. good. And and uh, uh, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully the girlfriend will have all of her tasty friends out. That's what I'm. That's what I'm encouraging. To, is to uh, is Lily the lilac going to be there? I'm 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 thinking she's going to be there. Wow. I've, I've I've been feeling her out on it. Take it and, easy. Uh, and uh, so. It'd be really cool if she can bring some some of her friends with her. Mm-hmm. So. I don't think a uh, crowd is not going to be a problem because this is a uh, you know a great great sports bar, beautiful, brand new, tons of uh, as, as you could attest to, Big Dog, tons of big screen TVs, beautifully laid out, great food. They got drink specials going on, and you got the Bulls playing the Heat tomorrow. You got the Hawks and the Blues plus the March Madness uh, preview show. So I, I I think we'll have a pretty good crowd there. Yeah, Here, and. and- and don't worry, people. Uh, Coach and I will not be messing with your Chicago Bulls viewing because when the game's going on, we're going to be watching. It's going to be in between commercials. Mm-hmm. But, uh, we are not going to be overbearing in your watching of basketball tomorrow night is the best way to tell you. Plus, there's no. ways to win plenty of prizes and money, Coach. On the other hand, David, he's, he's saying that, but how are people going to concentrate on Bulls and Heat when Big Dog is walking around the bar wearing the assless chaps? I mean, even if he's not saying anything, it's going to be tough to concentrate on LeBron and, and Dwayne Wade when you're walking around like that, big dog. Coach, coach, if you think that's hard to concentrate, you should see when I wear the ass-filled chap. <laughs> Never thought of that. Yeah, so it, it's all depending. I was, you know, <laughs> he he felt bad who had no shoes until he saw the man who had no feet. <laughs> <laughs> or in this case, no cheeks. Oh, Goodness. 888-463-6748 is our phone number. For more information, the address, the phone number, and the flyer on the event tomorrow, you can go to the playbookchicago.com website, www.playbookchicago.com. Two guys and a mic hosting the show tomorrow. Big dog, we're looking forward to that, I know. Yeah, phenomenal. Any chance, uh, for me, it was my first look uh, from start to finish to watch an entire game with Jeremy Lin playing. I got to watch the Bulls and the Knicks. Taped it, watched it this morning, nice cup of coffee, and fast-forward through the free throws. Got the game done in about an hour and eight minutes. But uh, first of all, big win for the Bull, and Derrick Rose, 32 points, was outstanding. Did you catch the game at all, Big Doug? Uh, I watched the whole thing from start to finish. I got all different types of thoughts on, on Jeremy Lin, and it's probably not the typical stuff that you're hearing from everybody else mm-hmm. nowadays. Okay, well, we can compare those thoughts. A little Bull talk here, a little insanity talk, 888 888- Four six three sixty seven forty eight. To me, he was a little bit better than I thought. He's a little bit more athletic than I thought. Has a real nice feel for the game. He's not a superstar, but he's also big dog. See if you agree with me here. After watching him play start to finish, he's not a flash in a pan. He is a legit oh, yeah. NBA point guard with a great feel for the game, but he's not a superstar. I, I, I completely agree with that. A, a, he's a solid player. And it's funny is everybody, oh, insanity is phenomenal, and he put up like the best first 10 games ever by any point guard. But here's what I have. It's funny. is people like, oh, I've heard a lot of pundits saying, oh, look, he's not that good. He's not that good. And then there was somebody on last night, Dennis Scott, and I was like, dude, you're a freaking moron, Dennis Scott. This is what he said, Coach. Oh, look, they figured out uh, Jeremy Lin, so he's, he's really not all that good. All you have to do is double-team him. Hey, idiot, you just said you had to put two players on him to stop him, and you're trying to tell me he's not that good. 
Did you see what I'm getting at? No, completely. That's a, that's a completely, uh, well, you call it idiotic, I'll call it ironic, but absolutely. Yeah, if you got a double team, a guy automatically you're saying he's an impact player. Yeah, exactly. And he's still, you know, putting up decent numbers and stuff. Okay, so now if you doubles him and he doesn't average 28 and 10, well, 28 and 10 would be a Hall of Fame basketball player. You know, so I, I find that, uh, just funny how, like, when people now are like, oh, we, they figured him out. Well, yeah, they figured him out, but it means they have to game plan him and send two guys at him consistently throughout the whole entire game. Mm-hmm. That means he can play in the NBA, period. Yeah, absolutely. He even for a championship team, he'd be a great first guard off the bench. Oh, absolutely. I agree with you there, coach. I completely agree with you right there. Yeah, and some mm-hmm. people might say, oh, you're putting down the guy and blah, blah, blah. Well, you know, you need a great, not a good, but you need a great first guard off the bench to be a championship type team. Right now, the Knicks aren't a championship type team. He's their best point guard. They bring Baron Davis off the bench. By the way, would you agree also that the New York Knicks, if they could ever get their you know what together if it ever happens they they could challenge the heat of the bull there's a ton of talent on that team okay see that's very i understand what you're saying coach but you can say that about a a lot of teams in the nba could they ever play defense with the bulls do you really think they could play defense at a bull level no but couldn't they okay. play defense better? Yes. Yes, they, can. Yes. Yes, they absolutely can. I, that is true. Yeah. But there's, I mean, you know, Stoudemire and Carmelo Anthony. I love this Landry Fields kids, by the way, who I never never saw play in college. But he is very, very good. Tyson Chandler now, uh, you know, as a veteran, has found his role, and he's very comfortable with it. They bring some quality guys off the bench. Baron Davis. Once he gets fully healthy, he's not a bad weapon off the bench, Big Doug. So, and uh, Steve Novak is is their version of Kyle Korver. He can drain the three pointers. I'm missing a couple other. Well, they just picked up who? J.R. Smith. Yeah, they did, right. and then people aren't very happy about that in the organization. A few people are. One of them is Carmelo Anthony. Yep. Because he's like, dude, if someone's going to take a bad shot on this team, it's going to be me. <laughs> yeah, there is a battle over bad shots for the team. That's part of their problem. Yes, it, it, it is. Yeah, but if, now, they, if they learn to share and play a little bit of defense, boy, uh, New York Knicks could. I doubt it, but if they do, they could be heard from come playoff time. They do have a lot of uh, they do have a lot of offensive talent uh, on that team. There's there's no question about that. Their issue is team chemistry. I mean, let's face it. Carmelo Anthony, they were they won seven in a row when and they won eight out of ten with with Jeremy Lin starting at point guard. Carmelo Anthony comes back, and now they're two and eight. So think about that, Coach. They're, they're, they were eight and two yep. without him, two and eight with Carmelo Anthony. I think that what was puts... my biggest. What was I saying the whole entire time? I'm like, wait till he comes back, they'll stop uh-huh. immediately. Isn't that interesting? I mean, it puts a lot of pressure on Carmelo Anthony. I think he's starting to feel the pressure. And uh, what do you do if you're the coach? I mean, you know, hey, we're winning without him. You're going to bench him. And there's your team leader. You're going to have all kinds of issues there. It's a tough quandary for Mike D'Antonio, but you're exactly right. The bottom line is Carmelo wasn't there. We won. Carmelo back. We're losing. Simple as that. And uh, Mike D'Antonio last night on uh, D'Antonio on on NBA game time, I love that. As soon as the Bulls game is over, I switched over there and I watched the ends of all the basketball games. They start doing the – of course, it's the New York team, so they always show his press conference. 
and he flat out said it, he's going to have to earn his minutes in the fourth quarter from now on. Uh, we, he's like, we, uh, we, we can't have defensive lapses and bad shots anymore by Carmelo mm-hmm. Anthony. He called Carmelo Anthony out. So I'm like, oh, wow. He's like, I'm going to get fired soon. It's his fault. So <laughs> I think that's got it. Yeah, Coach, because the guy's going to get fired, and he sees one guy continually chuck up. And, like, he posted up on Jimmy Butler, should have got the ball, and didn't get it, and yells at Jeremy Lin last night. I'm like, right then, I was like, oh, the Bulls are. And the Bulls went on, like, a 10-point run at that point. Mm-hmm. They, like, outscored them, like, 15 to 5. It's interesting. Did you know what I'm talking about? In the I, beginning of the fourth quarter? I don't remember. I watched it, but I don't remember that particular play. Okay. Okay. Well, yeah, they didn't make a big deal out of it. And uh, uh-huh. Neil Funk said, just real politely, oh, Carmelo a little upset not getting the ball that time. Just, matter of fact, they just dropped that in. So, what well, you got, you got uh, Carmelo Anthony screaming at Jeremy Lin on the court. It's, in, it's, it's interesting what you said D'Antonio said, too, because it's very similar to what Tom Thibodeau, now catch the difference here, Tom Thibodeau didn't say it, he did it, and he, yeah, took, he, Car- did he, it. he took Carlos Boozer, and basically there was no press conference, there was no long meetings, I'm sure he told Carlos in, in, in a private and very classy way, but basically, uh, you know, Carlos Boozer, their number two, number three scorer, in a lot of games, not playing in the last seven, eight minutes of a close game because too many defensive laps can't play you if I can't trust you defensively. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, isn't, isn't that how you get stuff done? It, it's so funny. You talk about a guy that Carlos Boozer got the max contract. Yep. Okay. You're not, you can't find him. You rip him. If you rip him in public, all of a sudden, why are you making, you're challenging my manhood? I got to go home. My kids asking me what you're talking about. How about this? Just, hey. You're just not going to play because you take playing time against somebody off of somebody, coach. Ooh, that's the one thing that a player understands is playing time. You bench somebody, mm-hmm. they will wake up immediately. Ask Myers Leonard because the only time he plays is the, the games that he doesn't start. But but the key, I think, the way Tom uh, Thibodeau has done it you, is how you do it. You don't make it personal. You make More it about public. the action. You show on film, Carlos. You know, you didn't come over and help here. You didn't do that. You know, that that's the kind of stuff you need to do for me to have you play in the game. You don't get personal about it. You don't get overly negative. It's strictly there's the action. And, mm-hmm. you know, when that action is changed, I will get you in. Uh, however Thibodeau handled it, he has done it well where some other coaches can rub some of the superstars the wrong way. And, it, and you know what? I really think it's uh, yeah, how, how do you how do you put it? It's, all 12 players on the Bulls are held to the same standard. Yep. He's willing to bench Joaquin or Gibson or, or, uh, Sheik in a heartbeat if he feels that stuff. It doesn't, it, it's, I mean, he'll bench Derrick Rose if he, if, if it needs to be. You know what I mean? He does, he will bench you. He doesn't, then he doesn't do it publicly. He doesn't embarrass you. He just does what's best for the team and shuts up. No question about it. Got an email coming in as the show winding down here from Shoulder Pad Pete. Shoulder pad Pete's email. He uses a few words, uh, choice words, big dog, that I won't repeat. But the gist of it is, enough with the basketball talk today is the NFL free agency. Let's talk Bears. Let's talk NFL free agents. Not a lot of time, but a real quick big dog in honor of emailer shoulder pad Pete. What's your thoughts on who uh, some of the players might be taken today, and in particular our very own Chicago Bears? Well, the Chicago Bears, Coach, the for the coach that we have, Lovey Smith, one of the most important positions that you could have is defensive end. And if you could have two unbelievably great defensive ends, 
you could have an incredible defense and great pass rush and do it with four players rushing the quarterback. Well, if the Bears truly are trying to go get Mario Williams from who is now a free agent leaving the Houston Texans, that could be one of the greatest signings the Bears have made in years because if you could figure out a way to have Marshall Williams and Julius Peppers on the same defense. Now, this team, I, I truly believe, is really close to winning a Super Bowl. Maybe other guys don't feel that way, but I am absolutely ecstatic, and I would much rather have them overpay for a defensive lineman than a wide receiver mm-hmm. any day of the week. So I was so worried they were going to sign Vincent Jackson and sign him for like 15 mil a year, and I'm just like, oh, no, he'll never produce at that level. Well, Mario Williams will not only will he produce at whatever they pay him for, but Julius Peppers will go up. I mean, this this could end up being just a great, great signing by the Chicago Bears if they can actually get Mario Williams in the fold. I'm a little insulted, David Olson, that Joel is going to, uh, planning on taking playing time away from Israeli Adonage. But uh, David, you had some thoughts on the potential. Let's not get excited, but Mario Williams is out there. Some team's going to sign him today that won't be Houston. Yeah, I heard, and I, I I've heard that the the Bears are in the lead to sign him. Wow! But you know, I agree with what the big dog said. But you're throwing all this money on these defensive players. Sooner or later, you got to upgrade the offense, and you need to spend the well, money that, on the other side of the ball. You that, do. That was the question I was going to ask you, David. As a as a football fan, would you rather have your team pretty good in a bunch of areas, or would you rather have your team really really good dominant? In a particular area, but along with that, you've got some holes in another area. Do you like that all-around good, or do you like to have one unit that is really good? It's a tough call. Well, yeah, it, it is It is a tough you call. can't have it but, both ways. It, well, exactly, exactly. And, I mean, the Bears have you know, traditionally had the nice, solid defense. Right. But Jay Cutler can't do it alone. I mean, it's nice, it's nice that uh, Matt Forte has developed so nicely, but you need the deep threat. You know, now I I agree that I don't think you you should drop all that money on Vincent Jackson, but there are a couple other quality receivers that are a little bit okay. further down the down the your free agent list that I think you should go after. Okay, you're talking to me there, David. I like that line of thinking because the, it's like not, I know they need a, a number one receiver big time, but I, is Vincent Jackson truly a number one receiver? See, that's that's the thing. Is that you know, it's really nice to call him that, but we really don't know if he is, especially if he's in a situation. You know, the, the Chargers have had a lot of decent receivers around him, and also Antonio Gates and a bunch of other stuff. And I don't ever remember Vincent Jackson putting up ungodly numbers in San Diego. So if they're going to give this guy fifteen million a year, I just, I just can't ever imagine him living up to that contract. Where I could see Mario Williams living up to his contract, and hopefully maybe the Bears could draft the kid in the first round, and maybe the the Bears are actually a team that could get a, a, a wide receiver in the first round that produces as a rookie. It seems like, you know, the Bengals can do it with A.J. Green. There's been so many rookies that had great years at wide receiver that mm-hmm. you can just find these guys, oh, guess what? You pay a rookie I, $3 million a year. The more you know, I think about it, the more I, I agree with you. Go, you know, have that one dominant unit that people are going to really be fearful for if you can come back with healthy linebackers and Williams and Peppers on the end. I mean, that's the fearful unit. And you know what? If Cutler is on his game, and I remind everybody, Jay Cutler's been good for about five games in a bare uniform. 
His first two years, not so good and inconsistent. So everybody says, we've got our quarterback, and he's if he's the Jay Cutler of the five games, five, not 12, five, before he got injured, I agree with you. But let me remind you, before those five, he was rapidly inconsistent. But, dog, if he is the quarterback we saw before he got hurt, you know what? You draft a wide receiver and Bennett and uh, Devin Hester and Johnny Knox in the company, if we start throwing the ball to the tight end, they'll be good enough if we have that dominant defense. So I'm with you. Go for go for Mario Williams and let the receiver core fall with it, mate. And I definitely will go with you. And let's not forget, when you were talking about he was inconsistent for the first five games, he played ten games this year. No, they first two years. Well, I meant, well, this year. I'm just talking yes. about this year. Uh, it was another thing where he was just getting absolutely destroyed until Mike Marks was finally like, okay, 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 I'll, I'll, I'll protect him. Okay, well, that's, that's Coach and I's point. If you have Julius Peppers and Mario Williams making other quarterbacks inconsistent, it could be really, really good for the Bears' defense. And I just think you have a better chance of making your money back on Mario Williams at $20 million a year as opposed mm-hmm. to Benson Jackson at 15. And since there's a salary cap, and it's not my money, uh, we wish it was my money, but, you know, you have to be smart about how you spend it because you only have so much you can spend, Coach. Big dog, I gotta believe if you played the three technique, you, even at age 39 with 40 coming very soon, by the way, David Olson, do not let big dog's 40th pass it. I know he's not gonna let us know, so make a note. We gotta find I don't, out. I don't let anybody know my birthday. Well, I know okay. that. That's why I'm, we're, we're gonna do some investigation. It'll be on True TV. Find big dog's birthday. But, uh, you, at your age, somewhat out of shape, you could play the three technique if you had Mario Williams on one side and Julius, uh, Peppers on the other side. I'm, well, I'm third and long, Coach. Possibly, yes, I could play the as a three <laughs> technique. I could not play in the NFL. I don't care if Reggie White, Mario Williams, Julius Peppers were on the field with me at the same time. Yeah. I had uh, when I played junior high football, and I never transferred to my high school career. I had three technique also, and basically the coach told me all three of the techniques were fundamentally incorrect, and I was brutal. <laughs> but I was a three technique player. Big dog, we got to sign off tomorrow. We'll be on the air, of course, but we got our big appearance at the playbook. Very, very exciting. Sounds great, Coach. Absolutely phenomenal. I'm looking forward to it. I'm actually going to start walking to make sure I get the playbook right now. <laughs> Western Kentucky, Mississippi Valley tonight kicks it all off. March Madness. We'll talk more tomorrow. Have a great day, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. Two guys at a mic. TalkZone.com signing off 10 o'clock tomorrow. Don't be late.